The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, and please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Give Freely, Receive Freely. When we answer the call, To assist another alcoholic or addict on their recovery path, we do so with generosity and gratitude. We do not pay our sponsors or expect payment from our sponsees. Recovery must be free from commerce if we are to be successful. Yes, there may be medical professionals involved in our recovery at first, and we certainly render unto Caesar, so to speak, as appropriate at that time. But we do not buy or sell recovery. We give freely and receive freely in gratitude. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on giving and receiving freely and the joys that accompany it. So we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped to guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from an attitude of what's in it for me to giving and receiving freely and graciously through the principle of service to others. When I think about, so use that phrase, what's in it for me, uh, and this is the part of the show where we get to tell on ourselves, right? (laughs) This is the part of the show I'm just uh, always so ever happy to be moving on from. You know, moving into the solution. But we know that part of successful recovery is a willingness to tell the truth, you know, and and to, as we've talked about before, to get out of that mindset that says, you know, what can I say that would make me look good? And instead, what can I say that's true about my experience? And when I think about that whole what's in it for me way of seeing, that's, that's how I consider it in life. It's just kind of a way of being again, invisible to me at the time, became visible over time. 
Um, I'm remembering a quote from the recovery literature from the big book on page 62, and it says, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. You know, I had at any moment in time certainly uh, had all those things going on or any one of them or some of them. Um, That's a good example of uh, some things I learned early on I don't, I don't know that I'm going to remember exactly what it was, but I remember being early on in my group and someone saying something, you know, about how we are in the beginning. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not like that. And then about six months later, I'm like, oh, <laughs> wait a second. I just didn't really get what I didn't get it. And now I can see that I kind of am like that. So all these things that are mentioned there in that quote, fear, that's easy. Uh, self-delusion. I think that goes hand in hand. Self-seeking, that's just another way of saying what's in it for me. And self-pity, of course, if things don't go my way. So, you know, it's all there one way or another. Me, You know, we, me and a zillion other people driven by a hundred forms of fear, et cetera. So th- that's what what's in it for me. One One way that what's in it for me looked like in my life. Yeah. Isn't it amazing the way these things that we find in the big book, uh, the way so we relate to so many of them? Um, and it's not that, you know, folks who aren't in recovery programs don't relate to these things. It's just we relate to them in a more central way. Like everybody has little bits of these, but we're just like, oh, wow, that's that was really what was my problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I find nothing like my life literally depending on this to get my attention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and of course, you know, when things become a problem is when they interfere with our, you know, healthy functioning in life. And so that's when something goes from just a quirk to like a real, you know, character defect or a real um, issue. So yeah, I, I totally relate with that statement of driven by a 100 forms of fear, I was certainly driven by fear. Um, and then the self centeredness and selfishness, you know, And I do love this portion of our program where we sort of, as you said, tell on ourselves because um, now we're looking back as if it was another lifetime and we don't have any of those characteristics anymore. Yeah, I want to say I have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) They're just these quaint things we used to have in our past. I was thinking, you know, that I I did come into recovery at age 24, so I think a certain amount of self-centeredness is appropriate at that age. That's sort of the way we are in our early 20s. You know, we haven't fully developed, and um, there is a lot of, you know, self-absorption at that age. But um, it's certainly something we want to mature out of, and probably had I not come into the recovery rooms, I might not have matured out of that. I might be now a 50-year-old with that same kind of yeah, selfishness it, it, it and self-centeredness, and it wouldn't be cute anymore, you know? <laughs> so um, I definitely, you know, I, and I was thinking that this what's in it for me thing is really not not to let ourselves off the hook, but it really is cultural, right? Like that's sort of how our culture thinks. You get yours, you know, you got it. it it's sort of this capitalist, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, ethic of like, like if you aren't trying to actively get yours, you're naive, 
you know? And so there's so much, um, I was just thinking about how I was preaching about Jesus on Sunday and how Jesus is always asking us to let go of these things that really are cultural values, you know, like for instance, you know, the idea of getting revenge and Jesus is saying, take these things that you think you have to get yours. You think you have to get back. You think you have to do all these things. And Jesus is going, no, you don't have to live life that way. And so they can feel really counter cultural, you know, but that's what we're called to do is live a countercultural life. So yeah, it seems to me it's once again coming back to the concept of balance because it's it's not as if um, me asking myself that question, what's in it for me, isn't inherently bad unless that's all I do. Right. You know, if that's the only question I'm asking, then then I'm out of balance. And yeah, that's not a, a good thing. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, considering, you know, where am I going to come out in all of this? Uh, as long as um, my life's not centered around that. And I know for me early on in general that my outlook on the world was based on, you know, avoiding discomfort and avoiding anything that I had fear around. And um, living that way, you know, it's almost like predator and prey, right? If I'm feeling, if I'm, showing up in the world feeling like I'm some kind of prey uh, and I'm coming from a place of uh, fear and concern all the time, then that's a very self-absorbed place to be. Yes. It actually makes a lot of sense. If that were true, it would it would make sense that, of course, you would be constantly looking for threats, constantly asking, am I okay, me, 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 right? But it's it was... I don't know. I don't want to say it's untrue. It it wasn't about the world. It was about me, right? It was my approach. It was what we call uh, character defects in in the program mm-hmm. that kept me from showing up in any other way. And so that whole what's in it for me thing looked like my response to the world, which was driven by uh, fear and looking to avoid discomfort. Yeah, I mean, I do, I want to push back against that a little bit, because I do think that some of this uh, orientation to life does come from having an insecure childhood in whatever way that looks. Like, let's let's say that you grew up in a family where you didn't have, always have enough food to eat, you know, so you're going to have a real fear of not having enough to eat, and you're going to be constantly trying to get what you need to survive. So those of us that had, you know, emotional or physical or whatever kind of trauma in our childhood, you know, we do, there is a certain survival, um, you know, it's that feeling of not enough. There's not enough love, not enough support, not enough safety, whatever it is that we lacked. And so I think this driven by fear thing, it's really true. You know, I mean, I wasn't self-centered because I'm a bad person. Right. I was self-centered because I was trying to survive. And it took all my focus on myself just to, you know, get through life because of all the various challenges that I had. And so it's a, it, it came from an insecurity. You know, I think if I had felt well grounded and well supported and secure, 
I wouldn't have been all the time needing to, you know, look out for number one. So, and, but that doesn't let us off the hook. We still have to correct it, you know, <laughs> but we can have some compassion for ourselves and oh, how yeah. some of these things got, you know, how they came to be part of our um, personality makeup. There's a good and, reason. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I, you know, as I become more grounded and more secure and have a better sense of self and all of the wonderful gifts that come with recovery, I find that I, I don't have to be so preoccupied all the time with getting mine. So it sort of, it undoes itself as we become more emotionally healthy and, um, you know, and create networks of support and, and love and things like that for ourselves. Then we don't have to be, that's what my experience was, was, yeah. you know, as I started to get those, I, I wasn't getting my needs met. And as I began to get my needs met, I was less needy. I mean, it's basically yeah, that simple. But you did that in recovery? In recovery. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's good reasons we're the way that we are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being out of balance in that way is a natural outcome of whatever it is our circumstances were yeah. uh, when we were growing up. And like you, I found the recovery process to be a real opportunity to start to change some of those things. So I'm, I'm remembering, for example, my, you know, my grandmother lived through the depression. And so she had habits of mind that were, she was still reacting as if it was still yes. a depression. Like, yes. don't throw that away. Say, I mean, and that's too. good and that's fine. But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the crisis has passed, mm -hmm. but my response to it has not. Yeah. And that's sort of, you know, even when I was, out of the home, I was still reacting to those old things without realizing it. And the recovery program really, I found, and like I was, think I'm hearing you say, gave us a real opportunity to look at what's going on and realize I don't have to do this right. anymore because, you know, I'm not, I'm not that kid anymore. Right. I have options, but yeah, thank you. Right. I'm still a big, yeah, I'm still a big baby, but you know, that's a different topic. So we've talked here about the challenge of what's in it for me, and it's time to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles and the spiritual principles that were helpful for us in moving out of that selfishness and that what's in it for me orientation to life and into a life of gracious giving was service to others, really. I ask myself, is service to others a spiritual power? And we kind of think it is because it comes from a place of humility, or at least that's the idea. And when it does, uh, it, as a practice, it has a profound healing effect, both on I as the person showing up in service and on everyone involved. And, and it's a two-way street, you know, when others show up in service. So I do think that it, it is a spiritual, I don't know if I call it a power or practice, I guess for us uh, in this context, it, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. It is something that we do. Yeah. So, Michelle, what, what does this whole, um, you know, service mean to you? What does this power or practice of service mean to you? Yeah, it's a really big thing in the 12-step recovery movement. You know, I remember when I first started hearing about this, and I was kind of like, what's that? <laughs> you know, what this idea of... Um, 
I, I kind of just tended to show up at things and take. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a real concept that I was supposed to get involved and um, be part of, you know, giving back. That was just not, I don't know. I just wasn't. And, and there was a part of it that was like um, reluctance to join in and fear of joining in and being a part. So this, this practice that we have of service, it heals so many of our ills. Um, You know, as we, when we feel like we are well enough to have anything to give back that creates feelings of confidence and self-esteem, right? I actually have something to give back. When we participate and become part of the group, we get the gift of belonging and feeling invested in our own recovery and in, um, you know, the recovery of others. And when we reach out to help someone, we get that gift of connection, you know, and, and feeling like, gosh, you know, this stuff I went through could actually be of some purpose, of some benefit to someone else, you know, that I can, that's what I love about being a minister is it's like, finally, all this crap I went through, it's like, it has a purpose. Now it, it helps me relate to people. It helps me, you know, have, I can share what I've been through and how I made it through and what things work for me and it can help someone else. And, and so it gives purpose to our lives. You know, it's just the best thing going really. I have a friend who said something funny about this that I'll always remember. So this friend had come out of a particularly sort of privileged life situation. And when coming into recovery and asked to make coffee she was like oh no honey people make coffee for me <laughs> like like you don't understand how this works Good now she, she's laughing about that after the fact yeah. because of that, that that's like the quintessential example of no we we do make coffee yeah. for other people it doesn't matter who i am or right. was in the world it doesn't matter if i'm you know, someone that the world might consider important or someone that the world might consider unnotable. It makes no difference. I can make the coffee. And I really loved that uh, example. And so it kind of, the answer for me, what does service mean to me at its core? It means doing something for others with no concern for recognition or reward. You know, I'm not making the coffee at a recovery meeting so that everyone will thank me. In fact, People don't really know who necessarily who made it, and that's just fine with me. Right. I'm not I'm not making it for any reason other than to be helpful. Yeah. And in a sense, it's almost ideal if if it so happened that nobody knows that I made it. That's almost the ideal situation because right. the fact that I'm the one that happened to do it on this day is not relevant. What right. is relevant is that our group shows up in loving service for our group. And sometimes that means me. And sometimes, of course, it's others. But we all do it, and we're all equal in that way. So to me, service means doing for others with no concern for recognition or reward of any kind. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing about the 12-step recovery programs is they're this great leveler, you know, and they're sort of these, like, utopian little microcosms of egalitarian you know, everybody's, you could be, I mean, I live in just a very quiet little place, but my understanding is there are places where some pretty big, you know, 
famous or celebrities or whatever people go to meetings and they're just one of the group too they might be you might yep. have some famous person making your coffee if you go to a meeting in hollywood or something you know yes. um but it's just about being one among many and just um doing you know you make coffee because someone asked you to do it you know or whatever because that's what you do that's your job and they took their turn and now you take your turn and so it's it's a pretty cool thing um I think that service can help create humility too. You know, it's like, like that idea of, um, like you said, doing it just, just because, just because you've been asked to do it or it's your turn, or that's just how the program works as we take turns doing these things. And so you're not doing it to get the glory or to be a big shot or whatever. You're just, it, it's a humbling thing, you know? Um, so that's a pretty cool thing about it too. And then the other thing is it really helps us get out of ourselves. You know, if the antidote to this self-centeredness that we were talking about is to, you know, help someone else. And I was always taught in the program that if you were miserable, you know, with something that was going on in your life, what would your sponsor tell you, right? Go help somebody else, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what my sponsor would say. What have you yep. done for other people lately? Yeah, because yeah, it takes you out of your own crap. and it takes me, yeah. Yeah, and so that's, that can be really helpful, you know, especially because there's a certain extent to which a 12-step recovery program is very self-focused. Um, you know, we have a lot of work to do on ourselves and self-examination and everything, but then there comes a time when we set that down for a minute and go and help someone else. And we get that relief from the bondage of self as our third step prayer says, I love that relief from the bondage of self. God knows I need that. I heard, uh, somewhere early on this phrase that I I've always liked. And the suggestion was to be a member of the secret service. And I liked that because what what was being shared was that I can go do something for someone in a way that literally nobody knows yeah. that I've done it. That's yeah. the secret part. So I'm, I'm doing, you know, acts of service or kindness in the world in general in secret. So no one knows about it. So I'm a member of the secret service. Yeah. So the, the simplest example, and I have, done this so maybe it's ironic that i'm now telling what i've done but i didn't just go do it and <laughs> i didn't put a bit video of me on facebook yeah doing oh god um but i've done things like you know I'd, I'd buy something out of the vending machine at the gym or whatever now this is dating me a little bit because i imagine they all use cards now <laughs> but just leave the change you know in the little dish for yeah. whoever because i yeah. know Anytime I'd found a dime or a quarter or whatever, I feel like I really won something. Like I, I'm, I'm yeah. somehow ahead in the world. Free money. Like I, yeah, even if it was just a little bit, it seemed like some kind of great gift. So I could, uh, I, and I had done it for whatever reason, this gym that we went to when the kids were little, you know, and they'd want something out of it and I would get it and they didn't notice, but I would just leave the change. And then we'd go sit down and then someone else would go up to the machine and I'm the only one that knows that there's oh. change in there and just sort of see what happens, you know? So <laughs> being a member of the secret service, uh, yeah. you can, you know, if you, if you open your mind, I'm sure you come up with lots of different ways that, um, uh, to do that, whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah. 
Yeah, also this whole idea of service is really related to our unity prosperity principles, right? Which are basically, I mean, there's so many ways to talk about it, but it's participating in the flow, right? So we we don't get prosperity if we're not in it. We've got to be a part of it. We've got to get into it and participate in it and be part of that flow. So um, as we receive, we also need to give. They're two sides of the same coin, you know, and we receive so much in the 12-step program that, you know, we've got to to keep it sort of flowing and to keep it, it's just sort of the way that law of circulation works is that if we aren't participating in it, we're stagnating it, right? And we're yes. blocking it. So, um you know, whether that's with giving monetarily or giving of our time, our talent, whatever, you know, it is, it's stepping into being part of that circulation, that law of circulation. And that was, that whole thing was a total revelation to me when I came into unity. I had no, I came from a very lack consciousness, like you said, you know, grandparents and great grandparents lived through the depression and also came over as immigrants from Europe and, you know, just really had, they had a lack mentality and with good reason, but, um, took me a really long time to, uh, start to unpack and undo some of that, um, that mentality. And so being of service and, you know, putting back into circulation, what you're receiving is, is a really important piece of uh, just healthy prosperity and abundance. Yeah, I agree. And that, you know, that that's kind of my entree into a, a unity in many ways was through unity's prosperity principles. So I'm definitely nodding my head up and down about that. And I noticed that you know, what we're talking about, this this concept of a flow, or you use the word stagnant, which I like because you can picture a, if you have a pond of water, it needs an inlet and an outlet because if it doesn't have flow, then it's going to stagnate, you know, and, and yeah. get um, get all unhealthy Lucky. and whatnot. And the, the spiritual law, if you will, is the law of giving and receiving, not the law of receiving and giving, mm-hmm. right? Giving comes first for a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't sit and think, well, when the universe starts showing up generously to me, then I will start to show up as a generous presence. It's the other way around. Right. Uh, I will begin to experience a generous universe when I show up as a generous yeah. presence yeah. in the universe. And so the ball is in my court, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, which is great news because that means I actually have influence over what happens. It's not some mysterious outer principle or or action or form or whatever i can wake up and decide i am going to show up as a giving person today i'm going to look actively look for opportunities to do for others i'm going to tip generously you know within reason uh given my circumstances and i'm not i'm going to approach things like so this here's one thing that's been helpful I'm going to approach things like what is the instead of what's the least I can give here and still get away with it. What's the <laughs> most what's the most I can give and still be a responsible steward of my good. But let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. So please stay with us. Practical Spirituality 
positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We'll resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing this uh attitude of what's in it for me and then we moved into discussing the solution or the antidote antidote to that which is this principle or practice of service to others so now we're going to talk about how service to others helped us to move into gracious living sorry gracious giving giving and living yeah i i almost put living and yeah. but then I tried to stay a little focused, which can be hard for me. But yeah, I agree that this, if we really practice this, if I practice this, then I I do expand from gracious giving to gracious living because it just becomes a part of the way I show up in the world. And it's something that I have worked on and continue to work on, showing up as I as I mentioned as a, a generous presence. And I and I do remember, and I had said uh, before the break, I think I had a sponsor that used to ask this wonderful question. Uh, if I was feeling fearful or down or whatever, he would ask, what have you done for other people lately? And the answer was always nothing because... Like, not a whole lot, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the problem is other people, right? If they would stop <laughs> silently demanding that I do things. For... No, the problem was that I'm all stuck in my head, all obsessed with my own situation. What do blah, me, blah, blah, blah. He would also ask, do you have everything you need right now in this moment? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I do. I have a roof over my head. There's some food in the other room. I, I have everything I need in this moment. And that coupled with what have you done for other people lately mm-hmm. showed me a door. You know, it, now I had to be willing to do something about it. But it always uh, served to show me that there is a way out of this and the way out is showing up in service to others, you know, recognizing that my own, my own situation is not that dire. Now, sometimes our situation could actually be dire, but as a a good friend said, once I've had thousands of problems in my life and a few of them have actually happened. (laughs) Almost, almost never does any worry or, or concern that I have actually happen. So I end up spending way too much time in worry and concern that are all just fabricated, or as we say, um, spend too much time contemplating the wreckage of my future, you know, worrying about things. So doing for others in service, you know, whether it's the secret service or just showing up at at a recovery group and just, you know, being a friendly presence, I think is a good start. Uh, and maybe there is something I can do, take out the trash, help with the chairs, sweep the floor. I could just ask, even if I'm out of town at a meeting I've never been to, I can go up to the meeting chair after the meeting, say, is there anything I can do to help? You need help cleaning up, tearing down. You know, just being willing to, to show up and ask is a big part of it. So doing for others helps helps take my mind off of my own obsessive, often negative thinking and i just you know as a result i simply feel better 
because I got out of that. What do we call it? Stinking thinking, right? Yeah. Uh, because I chose to show up in service to others. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we do give, whether it's giving financially or giving of our time or whatever it is, giving um, of service, it activates that prosperity principle, right? Which, like you said, was your entree into unity and um, certainly was a profound realization for me in early, in early, well, early recovery and my early time in unity. Um, and one of the reasons that it activates the prosperity is because it changes our own consciousness, right? So if you're thinking, well, I'm just a piece of crap, I got nothing to give, then that's, as we say in unity, what thoughts hold in mind, you know, produce after their kind. So that's the consciousness that we're holding and that's what we will attract to us. If you say to yourself, I have something that maybe could help someone else, you're changing your own consciousness about yourself, right? From like, oh, I have nothing to give to, oh, I, I maybe something I've lived through or done, you know, could actually help someone else. And I'm thinking of the, uh, this wonderful story in the Bible of the widow's might, you know, and how this widow comes into the temple and obviously, you know, is very poor. And what does she give? Uh, what do you call it? What was the little? A mite, like the smallest denomination. Yeah, yeah it was like a, yeah, like a tiny coin or whatever. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, I guess he has the disciples with him and he draws their attention to her giving and saying that she has given the greater gift um, because she gave from having so little, little, but what she did was activate her own prosperity consciousness, right? And we don't, we don't, of course, know what happens to her later, but we can assume that because of the law of prosperity and circulation that she was blessed in some way by having given that way, because she was saying, no, you know what, I may not have very much, but I have something to give. I have something to give. And so she was raising her own consciousness by even thinking she had something to give from. You know what I'm saying? I so do. that's the same thing that happens with us financially and um, not just financially, but of anything, anytime we give, you know, and I have to, I this like, I'm glad you mentioned you, this is something you work on because I have to work on this all the time. And this show today is a great reminder for me um, because the, the lack consciousness is so pervasive in our culture. And it's like, I, sometimes it feels like swimming upstream to hold a prosperity consciousness in the midst of, you know, the contrary, which is all around us. But um, that when I give of whatever it is, just the giving in itself is a statement about my own abundance, right? That I have something from which to give. I'm saying that I am already abundant. Look, I am so abundant that I can even give some. You're showing, you're showing up in that way. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, as we might say, the universe responds, or that's yes. the way the law, uh, the spiritual law of giving and receiving works, is I, I activate it yes. by giving, by showing yes. up in a generous manner. And then, uh, to me, what the next step is, I then prepare for wonderful things to happen, opportunities, ideas, it might be something physical, it might be, be uh, something in the realm of mind, but doors are going to begin to open where before there was no door and I'm going to see them 
because I have shown up as a generous yeah. presence. Expect a miracle yes. is the phrase I've heard. I expect a miracle because I show up as, as a generous presence in the world. I know that doing for others helps me see that I'm not alone in the mm -hmm. world because I can mm -hmm. tend to um, isolate. I think yeah. many of us in, in recovery have that, have had that experience. And, you know, I don't know if it's uh, me as an introvert or what, but, you know, I can certainly uh, get in trouble, so to speak, by becoming disconnected, by isolating myself. So doing for others helps me see I'm not alone in the world. You know, I, I if I'm going to show up in service, I kind of need a context for that, right? I'm probably not going to do it from my couch at home, right. although I could certainly, you know, do financial gifts or whatever from there. Nowadays, I can order food online and leave a big old tip if I want to <laughs> sitting on my couch. But what I have found is that, that that's I need to do more than that. I need to get up mm -hmm. and move and show up and interact and, you know, do something for other people, which is again, and we keep saying this because I think it's, I think we keep saying it because it's so powerful in a recovery community. There are all kinds of opportunities to practice this. Yeah. So there's almost no better, better place to practice doing for others than in the context of a recovery group. Uh, just, you know, showing up and being a, being a regular, when, when people start to recognize your face, that's what happened to me. When I showed up enough that people began to know me just from being there, all of a sudden things began to shift and I had, you know, doors opened again and I had opportunities to become more part of the group and not just yeah. a visitor. You know, yeah. the first time I go to a group, I'm a visitor. Right. But if I keep going, I slowly morph into a member somehow yeah. just by showing up. And people yes. literally just by people, you know, the 15th time that they've seen my face in three weeks, you know, oh, they remember my name and I remember right. their names. And anyway, just doing for others in that way helps me know that I'm not alone in the world. Yeah, and you know, that was making me think that even just showing up at a meeting or even, I want to say, also showing up at church is an act of service. Because what happened when we went to our first meeting? There was someone there, right? And like we always say, there was someone sitting there that had five years and someone that had 10 years and someone that had 30 years. And had those people not been sitting in those chairs... There wouldn't have been a meeting for us to go to when we wouldn't have had the opportunity to recover. So sometimes we think about, you know, we talk a lot about, well, I, I didn't get anything out of that meeting or I'm not going to go to that meeting because I don't get anything out of it. Again, that's that mentality that we were talking about in the first segment, the what's in it for me. Going to, uh, and this, this, uh, this also um, relates to church. You know, when people talk about going to church to get something, to get something out of the service, they want to get something from the sermon. They want to be inspired. They want, and it's not, the, and you should, you know, and, but again, are we showing up to get something or are we showing up to be a part of something, you know? And so when we show up to a 12 step meeting, we are being that person in the chair that was there when we showed up. And that's an important role, just being there. And when we go to church, it's the same thing. We're not going, to, I, I'm always trying to get people to 
shift their consciousness from, you know, going to church to get something, to going to church, to being a part of something, to participating, being invested, that we come together on Sunday mornings to create something. And that's something that we create holds a space for others that show up and it benefits them too. But not that, you know, to get away from this um, transmission model where you show up and the people on the platform are transmitting something to you, which you are absorbing and walking away with, you know, that it's more of a flow. It's more of a, um, what do you call it? Like a back and forth, you know? Yes. Um, we're all creating a Sunday service experience together. And how do you do that? By getting involved, by being an usher, by making coffee, by, you know, talking to somebody that's new. And I'm talking about, you know, church as well as 12-step meetings, you know, being a part of it, participating, basically participating. And that, that participation is what activates our feelings of belonging and activates our own abundance and prosperity within that experience. Yeah, I, I agree both about uh, the the 12-step community and about church. And my experience has been that, uh, like you're saying, if I show up to be a part of what's going on, that's a, I don't know, some kind of like positive contribution energetically, rather than I'm showing up as if it were a show. Like I'm not, I'm going to a theater to see a show and I'm going to make a donation depending on how entertained I feel. (laughs) You know, that, that's the, to me, that's the very opposite of what a Sunday morning church experience is all about. I really like your description of it. And that's how it is for me. And that's how it is for me, you know, in, in, at least in the 12 step groups that I've been a part of, they, they're not really a show like that because it, it's interactive from the get go. I mean, yes, right. we have what we call speaker meetings where the, the entire meeting is almost the entire meeting is listening to someone tell their story. So in that right. way, it's sort of more in that mold, but that, that was, you know, not the norm. Right. That was one meeting a week out of all the meetings that we had. Um, and so showing up and just being part of it, I like what you're saying about how showing up is an act of service because yeah. I'm kind of, I'm bringing my energy into the group for whatever, wherever it goes and whatever happens. And yes, of, of course, um, and, and I'm reminded of um, the the quotes from Jesus. I'm pretty sure uh, this is from the Sermon on the Mount. I can't uh, rattle off the um, chapter and verse, except I just turned my page to it. Uh, <laughs> so yes, you can. <laughs> yes, I can. This is uh, Matthew. What is it? Six. It's called "Do Not Worry." You know, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or what you wear. Is life not is not life more than food, and body more than clothing? So I show up, um, and I don't worry about what it is I'm going to receive yet. I find out I've received wonderful things Yeah, because I walk in with an attitude of almost like I'm going to be a part of this. And I walk out realizing, wow, I really feel like I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of good out of that somehow or other. Yes, and that idea of contributing and being a part of what's being created rather than showing up just to receive. So important. Um, I was thinking about how being a, uh, being a part of the group and participating, I mentioned this earlier, creates self-esteem. 
And so often when we come into recovery, we don't have the greatest self-esteem, right? Or a lot of us have a lot of um, shame, shame, not, you know, shame in a clinical psychology sense of, you know, this, this sort of carried, uh, these carried feelings. And so um, if we want to feel better about ourselves, we need to do better, right? So by, yes, by doing, when I participate and do good things, I begin to feel better about myself. Amen to that. Oh, what a concept, right? It's like, yeah, it seems kind of obvious, but um, it, it, again, we don't do it for that reason, but we do know that when we participate um, and, you know, and contribute, that it, it does, we can guarantee that it does have the positive effect of making us feel better about ourselves. Absolutely. I, I agree. That was, yeah. that was my experience. Put it that way. That's what I can say. Yeah. 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 So that, um, that helps us, you know, and as I start to feel better about myself, the more good I feel like doing, it's just kind of a, that upward spiral, you know, we talk about like a downward spiral towards disaster. What about the upward spiral towards something wonderful? You're kind of be, you're a part of it is what I'm hearing as you uh, share that experience. I see that you, when you show up, you are a part of a positive upward spiral of growth. We'll call it or, or, uh, you know, community. I don't know what connection. It's also sort of a way of being responsible for our own recovery. Like I'm not just showing, again, not just showing up and asking to get something, but I'm showing up and actively, actively creating and seeking out and getting what I need, if that makes sense. And it's the same thing with church. Like instead of showing up and expecting to receive something from the minister, you know, you're showing up to actively participate in creating this thing. So you're, you're being proactive on your own behalf, if that makes sense. You're, you're not just get, not just asking to receive recovery from someone, you know, I'm participating in my recovery. Let's put it that way. I'm participating in creating my recovery. If, if that makes sense. So I have to say, you know, thinking back, I didn't know that at first that I definitely showed up for me at first Yeah. because I, you know, I did, I, I, for whatever reason, and I'm very grateful. I had, I followed the directions. Um, I don't know why I just did. And <laughs> the directions were, um, go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor and work the steps with that sponsor, you know, in order. And so I was first showing up because I really didn't want to go back to the way that I had been. You know, I was, I was fairly, uh, had a healthy fear of falling back into my old drinking habits. And I absolutely didn't want to do that. So what I'm saying is even though at first my motivation was selfish. I was not walking into the group thinking about this wonderful giving and receiving dynamic. I was walking into the group thinking I need to be here for my recovery. Right. And there was still a lot of that meat, but it didn't take long of continuing to show up when I began to see and realize and experience all that we're sharing here. So I guess I'm just saying this, if you're brand new or maybe you're listening to us and you think maybe 
uh, you're one of us and, and want to go to a meeting and find out, um, just go, you know, just go and find out. Absolutely. Do it only, only for yourself. I think everybody did at first, but, right. but just know that all the rest of this is there for you. It was yeah. there for me, even though I didn't know it. It's okay. I didn't need to know it. It, it was just there and it, it unfolded, you know, and it worked. It's, I, I have an affirmation that I have been using, um, and, and I changed it recently. No, I, I had, I'll, let me just say it. It's more like an aphorism, okay. right? For a while I had been saying, if I want to experience a generous universe, I must show up as a generous presence in the universe. And yeah. then at some point recently it hit me that what I want to be saying, what I'm choosing to say is more like an affirmation, which is, I experience a generous universe because I show up as a generous presence. Yeah. So I like that affirmation form of it. And I've kind of, you know, moved ahead with that. And I absolutely believe that's true. And so, I mean, what we're talking about today is moving from what's in it for me, right, to what we're calling gracious giving or gracious living, like you said, we expand it, all through the power of showing up in service, expecting nothing in return. Mm -hmm. That, to me, this is just a statement of that. I show up as a generous presence. I I give with no expectation of return, but guess what? I don't even have to worry about it. Why? Just like the Sermon on the Mount, because all that other stuff just seemingly magically falls into place when I do my part, which is to show up as a generous presence the best I can. Yeah. I like that you mentioned about, you know, if you're a newcomer, you know, in the early days of recovery, obviously you don't really have a well from which to give. So you are showing up in more of a receiving mode in that, at that point, and that's okay. However, always know that even when you are showing up as a newcomer, you are helping someone else. That's just the magic that happens in the rooms, you know, and it could be that person sitting there with 26 years that needs to hear something that you said as a newcomer, as somebody with five minutes of sobriety. And so you're still even if you're showing up more to receive, you are still by nature, by just showing up, you are giving and you are helping someone else and you never know how you are helping someone, but just just trust that you are. Keep showing up and it it will become clear. That's what my experience has been and and yours as well. Well, we said a whole lot about this, so let's step back if we can and sum it up. Michelle, if someone came to you and said, uh, how can gracious giving help me? And what are some of the simple ways of practicing it? So we just kind of had a whole laundry list, but if you had to boil it down, what would you boil it down to? Well, I would say just get involved, whether we're talking about at 12-step meetings or um, in your church, if you're attending a church, just get involved in some way. Um, You know, we keep talking about coffee person, but that's a pretty important job. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty happy that somebody showed up and made coffee. (laughs) That That is very... You know, that's a huge service. Um, Or if you're attending a church, you know, one of the first things people often do is sign up to be an usher. Um, You know, just because that act of participating is what makes you begin to feel like you're part of the group. And that's so important to your ongoing recovery is um, that feeling a part of and 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 
by participating, by giving, you are getting into that flow of getting, giving and receiving. They just go together. You can't give without receiving and you can't receive without giving. And we need to do both. And you just want to jump into that flow and start becoming a part of it. Amen to that. I'm, I'm with you. Preaching to the choir. Uh, my <laughs> response is to just try it, you know, just start to show up. Yeah. I'm someone that had always felt like I needed to understand how something worked before I was willing to show up and try it. Well, what I've learned to do is just show up and try it. So just start showing up at meetings and see what happens. Or one of the simplest things is that concept of secret service that I talked about. It's it's just so we, it's fun and, and just you'll think of all kinds of different ways and little things that you can do and drop a dollar on the floor in the grocery store and walk away from it. Don't even yeah. see who picks it up, you yeah. know, little stuff like that. Um, and then for me, it was helpful to learn to say yes to service opportunities mm -hmm. in recovery. And the reason that I preface that by saying for me is because I know I have recovery friends that were sort of the opposite. They learned, needed to learn to say no because yeah, yeah. they felt like they had to do everything. Yeah. I, would, I didn't want to do anything. So for me, right. it was important to learn to say yes. So know yourself in balance, but just, just give it a try and you'll find ways. Yes. Well, it's that time in our show when we like to offer you an affirmation. And Dan just gave us a really good one a minute ago, but we do have another one for you. Short and sweet. I give openly and freely and I am blessed. I like this because I think it says it all. I give openly and freely and I am blessed. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour of listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful if you made it this far. We hope you found something in all of our gibbering today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you happen to be on your own recovery journey. Listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. We would love it if you would head over there to our page and drop us a comment or some sort of feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then... Don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. <laughs> Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tollison. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.